What really makes this model different is that this is an ask model. So the coach or the consultant or the helper does not tell. Because what I realize is when you are telling someone, advising someone, the ownership for the solution does not shift. So here what we're trying to do is get the solution from the other person. So that person is so much more committed. The biggest proof to know that someone has listened to you is if this person is able to pick up the key essence of what you said and give it back to you. And S standing for seek, which is about getting information before you're there uh, and preparing yourself. O is about defining the outcome. Uh, and of course, letting the other person talk, which is the observe part of the O. L for listen and getting the story from the other person. V for value add and creating solutions and insights in the other person's mind. And E for evaluate, which is about following up after you've defined an action plan. Welcome to the Stars of Learning podcast, where your host, Jyoti Ji, explores the minds of the thought leaders who have vast experience and in-depth knowledge in the learning industry. Now, over to your host, Jyoti Ji. Hello, everyone. Hearty welcome to Season 2 of Stars of Learning podcast. My name is Jyoti Ji. I'm your host for the show and each fortnight I interview the thought leaders in the learning industry who will share their best practices of learning in the 21st century. We will also discuss challenges, solutions, latest trends, tools, technology, integration, leadership and their journey in the learning. So friends, I'm super excited for the show as you will agree that our life revolves around people personally and professionally and we need to be equipped to handle people efficiently and solve any issues we come across and engage a healthy dialogue in every walk of our life and what if i say that here is a book titled solve which can help you to practice and gain success and transform your life Yes, friends, SOL is a model which can be used to solve most people and performance issues while professionally maintaining relationships. This comprehensive model starts with seeking information and ends at evaluating the solution. This model can be used in consulting, problem resolution, coaching, clients and in all modes of helping people whether you are a ceo a line manager a functional leader or an expert at what you do there are five steps in this book which will help you help others better a quick intro about the author of this book titled sol sunil george sunil is the founder director of stimulus consulting he has over 27 years of experience in consulting and od initiatives across a cross section of industries he works with some of the best of corporate houses across asia pacific he is a certified behavioral analyst and facilitates behavioral analysis in addition feedback unpacking employee engagement surveys and conducting assessment development centers are all of these in his kitty. He is also a GE Crotonville certified. He spent a large chunk of his time on leadership projects across different GE businesses in the Asian region since 1997. 
He is also the India field mentor for the Ford CM project since 2014. As a member of the ICF, International Coach Federation, he is credentialed with PCC certification and does executive coaching at different levels. Friends, I was very delighted to have worked with Sunil for our leadership program and I've also been part of his book launch and I've also gained amazing insights uh, being part of his training as well as being part of his book launch. This book, Saul, is so simple to practice and it is a model that anybody can use as a thumb rule for any one-into-one. You don't need to be certified or credentialed to help others and I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation. So put your gears on friends and without any further delay, let me welcome my guest Sunil George, founder, director of Stimulus Consulting and the author of the book Sol. Once again, a warm welcome Sunil to Thanks. Stars of Learning podcast and I'm so thrilled to that you're joining me today. So thank you, Jyoti. Appreciate you having me here. Thank you. So, Sunil, before we jump into this interesting episode, can you quickly share a little background about yourself? How you got to where you are today? Okay. So, lead a consulting organization called Stimulus Consulting. Been working from '91. Okay. So about 28 years or so. Um, the majority of my time from '97. That's when I started Stimulus been working with some of these large accounts. There's been G, there's been Ford, there's been Lufthansa. So if I really ask myself, what has got me here? I think it's been a lot of my clients. I think I learned, I've learned a lot from them. And of course, I think the team, the family, yeah, I, I think I have a lovely team and I have a really supporting family. So I think all of this has got me here. Yeah, uh, I, I think time from 97 has really flown, uh, 23 years of running this organization. So yes, uh, that's, I think, what has made me here. And yes, prior to that, I was a training manager with the Holiday Inn. I was the first training manager of the Holiday Inn Bangalore, which later on became the Medicare. So I've been a hotelier, did an MBA, did a master's in psychology. But yes, I was a hotelier. That's where I started. Wonderful. Awesome to know the journey of last 23 years with an amazing team you have, uh, Sunil. So Sunil, you wrote a book, Sol. And it is a model which can be used to solve most people and performance issues while professionally maintaining relationships. Can you explain to my listeners why solve? Sure. So if you're a leader, and especially if you are a key opinion leader, which means you're good at what you do, you always have someone who comes to you and asks you, do you have a minute? I have a problem. I need a little help. So you need to help this someone who comes to you. For this purpose, you don't need to be a coach. We sometimes seem to dissect what is coaching and what is consulting. But I think this is a task of helping that person. And is there a structure? Is there an approach or a process to do this helping act? That's what SOLVE does. So S-O-L-V-E is an acronym uh, and we copyrighted this in 2008. Hmm. And S standing for SEEK, which is about getting information before you're there uh, and preparing yourself. O is about defining the outcome. Uh, and of course, letting the other person talk, which is the observe part of the O. L for listen and getting the story from the other person. V for value add and creating solutions and insights in the other person's mind. And E for evaluate, which is about following up after you've defined an action plan. 
So, so this is a quick acronym, a template, which people can use if you have it in there. It operates like a thumb rule whenever you need to do a one-on-one -on -one conversation, be it in coaching, be it in consulting, be it even if you're a parent or a leader or whatever kind of a role that you play. This is a quick template that can help you. Interesting. And I like the acronym and ask for help with this strategy insightful uh, Sunil I'm sure this would have been a fantastic moment for you right uh, with a book absolutely yes yeah yeah absolutely. and since I was part of that book launch and we have worked together in the past and I really admire your strategy for conducting assessment I know that each letter uh, in the word what you mentioned now the acronym has a deeper meaning right can you elaborate to my listeners how did you coin this word for your book and what is different in solve which people can see okay so how did i coin this acronym i had my colleagues i remember kiran somnath who was on my team then so uh, and i have some of those team members still here with me on the team so this was the result of a brainstorming conversation that we did so what we realized is there's something common there's something universal about a process in a one-on-one -on -one meet. So if you did this with a doctor, if you did this as a consultant, if you were coaching someone or helping someone, we saw that there was a universal phenomenon to this. Okay. So SOLVE is an interoperable or a usable template which can be used in multiple contexts, be it in coaching and consulting in different contexts, like I said. Okay. So uh, this could be used in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So just to, uh, you know, probably go through that a little deeper. Before you are in a conversation, you want to get all the information out. So that is the seek. There is data that you need to collect. There may be a room that you want to block. There could be understanding the personality of this person. Last time I dealt with him, how did he uh, respond to me? So you get a lot of information before you're there, and that's the seek. Hmm. Now, in the meeting, you first let the other person talk. That's why we call this the observe. And I think listening is a lot, it's a big deal, part of any coaching or consulting conversation. Mm -hmm. So observe is about letting the other person talk. Mm -hmm. And in the initial part of your conversation, you need to be able to define mm -hmm. what is the outcome that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And basis that, now sometimes that's not the real need. Uh, you know, someone say something in the beginning, but that's not really what he wants. That's not where the bug is. That's not where the issue is. So get into the real need, that's the outcome. L stands for listen, which is about really understanding the story, getting this person to talk and see what has this person tried and not tried, uh, what was the outcome then. So L is about listening and letting the other person talk and you staying with asking questions and reflectively listening. V for value, as I mentioned, and that is about asking questions and getting this person to realize and create those insights in his mind. It's not enough if we have an action plan and have an insight. We also need to see how can we support this person? How can this person take this into application? And how can I follow up really to ensure application? That is the evaluate part. What really makes this model different is that this is an ask model. So the coach or the consultant or the helper does not tell. Because what I realize is when you are telling someone, advising someone, the ownership for the solution does not shift. So here what we're trying to do is get the solution from the other person. So that person is so much more committed rather than the owner being the 
you know, because if things don't go well, then you say, you know what, Mr. Coach, your formula failed. This is not my decision. You said so, so I did it. So I think the big difference is that you're shifting the ownership okay. from the leader to the follower in the action planning and all of that. Hmm. So that's what makes it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's an uh, interesting uh, leap for the leaders to followers. Sure. So now let's jump to understand about your book, Saul. Uh, Sunil, Sunil, who is it targeted for and how is this going to help them? Sure. So I think there are two formats of utility. Mm-hmm. One is a one-on-one conversation and I think everyone does one-on-one conversations. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are coaches who do it, there are consultants, there are leaders. If you're a manager, if you're a parent, for example, you have a child, this is a quick template that can also help you there. I had someone, a colleague of mine, a classmate who called me up from the US. Mm-hmm. She she was dealing with someone and she had a struggle in her office. So you can pretty much do it in any which context in a one-on-one conversation. Okay. A second piece of Saul is really in infinite you know, work. So when we do culture building, now that's something that we've been doing from 2014 uh, in one of the projects that you mentioned where I do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. We're involved in culture building and in here, Again, this becomes a larger framework. So it can be used in a smaller conversation. It can also be used in an annual culture building project Hmm. to different companies. Okay, sure. I'm sure uh, uh, you gave us a skeleton view about uh, how this book can be applied 101 and infinite possibilities is also what you're mentioning. I mean, uh, what is the model you have in that book and what's the methodology which we uh, one has to follow in it? Sure. I think the primary piece of my methodology is an ask model. So if I was to ask any leader between ask, listen, and tell, what comes most naturally to you? Most leaders would pick probably the tell because that is what comes most naturally Hmm. because we've had an experience. So I would say, hey, you know what? I think you must be doing this. So our experiences forces a lot into tell. What is unique about my model is this is about asking questions. It's about asking questions in a sequence Hmm. so that we could arrive at some of those insights. Okay. So to support this, I've also got something called the solve cards. So, um, you know, I have cards. So imagine a set of questions under seek. So I have about 10 or 12 cards under seek. So what kind of information or preparation would you need to have before you go in to that meeting? You have a list of questions, each question on a different card. So you can actually pick a question or a set of questions from here. These are not the only questions, but these become the starting questions. Hmm. Likewise, you have other outcome or observe, listen, value and evaluate. So you have a list of questions and you're not telling them, but you're asking them these questions. And these become your starting questions. This is the response. You can modulate and align your conversation in different directions, but these are targeted at creating an insight in the mind of the other person. Okay. And if not using a card, we also have a list of questions on the book, of, you know, which are aligned to this approach of solve. Mm-hmm. So it's really an ask methodology, and uh, yeah, and that's uh, more what makes this different. Okay, so when you say this ask methodology, how does this model work in the client interface, and do they have clarity on you know 
what actually they are looking at when we go through this uh, model? Sure. So I certainly believe it works well in a one-on-one conversation mm-hmm. uh, and long-term projects. Mm-hmm. When people come to you with problems, oftentimes they are often talking only about the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. It is really not the real problem oftentimes. So I don't think very often people know what the real problem is when they come to you. It is there when you ask questions. Similarly, when HR people come to me with an issue, oftentimes there's an issue behind the issue. Okay. Only when you analyze, do you really get to know. Hmm. So for me, you know, just taking an example, last time there was someone who came to me saying, hey, um, you know, we have a struggle with time management. But when you ask deeper questions where you realize it's not an issue with time management, but there is a need on saying no, there's a concern this person had on pushing back and assertiveness. So Hmm. I don't think oftentimes people know what they really want. In another case, we had, uh, you know, someone who came in and said they had a struggle with attrition. Only when you get deeper, do you realize that, you know, there's the bigger or the real need for this leader is because the person is an introvert. This person does not make those social conversations and those connections. So he has people who has who have not known him and he's not known his people and therefore people are leaving. So I often think people don't know what they really, uh, what they see as the problem or even the question, do we really understand the need behind the need or the real problem? Hmm, got it. And... Uh... In the book also, Sunil, your next big idea is to uh, observe. You also say that, you know, that's like uh, a big thing uh, which individual need to manage to. So, you know, they let other person talk, right? So define the what is the real need behind uh, to observe? And uh, is it only asking the right question or what's the approach when you are wearing the hat of observer? Sure. So when I say observe, what I'm saying is let the other person talk first. Mm-hmm. In the book, I've mentioned this. Uh, you know, there's been a personal situation I've been through. I had this situation where I took my son, who was not keeping too well many, many years ago. I have two kids. My son is 23, mm-hmm. going to be 24. My daughter is 21. Mm-hmm. So when my son was a kid, I took him to this doctor. He had a flu or fever. The doctor prescribed some drugs and he was okay in in three, four days' time. Hmm. The following week, incidentally, I fell sick and I decided to go back to the same doctor. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I met this doctor. He asked me a lot of questions. I took an appointment, waited to see him. A lot of questions. He asked me to open my mouth and do, ah, look there, do this, do that. A lot of checking, a lot of questions. He asked me, did I travel? What kind of places? What kind of food? And then he prescribed. Okay. After I got this prescription, I stepped out to buy the drugs at the next door store, and I realized the store had all the drugs except one. So really not motivated to travel at that time of the night. Mm. I decided to call my wife in, and I said, you know what, I got all the drugs except one. Mm. And she asked me which one, and I named the drug, and she said, we have it at home, come home. Ah. And I was a little surprised. I went home, and I, and I tried to find out. Uh, you know, how come my wife was having prescription drugs? She said, no, you know what, for Kevin. Kevin is my son's name. The doctor prescribed the same thing. Okay. And when I actually compared prescriptions, I was surprised. I got an identical prescription to what my son had. Uh Now, that was just a week before, but here's my challenge to most of you who are listening to this one. Mm. You take a doctor's prescription over a period in time. 
Mm. And you will realize doctors have a pattern to their prescriptions. Mm. Mm. Now, I was thinking in my own head, which means before I walked in through the door, the doctor knew what to prescribe. Mm. Now, imagine if the doctor, I walked in and the doctor asked that initial question, what's the problem? And I tell him, well, you know, I have a running nose, I have a cold and fever, whatever. He says, listen, listen, Sunil, don't worry, don't talk, don't talk, just have this and you'll be okay. Sunil, don't explain, please go, you'll be fine. Now, if he prescribed and gave me that drug, I would be very unhappy walking out. True. I was thinking in my own head, why did he ask those questions, spend so much time with me? Probable reason was he was... Of course, someone on a lighter way said he was trying to get his value for the money that I was to pay him. Mm. But I think the bigger reason was he was trying to evaluate or, you know, he was trying to check his prognosis. He could be right. He could also be wrong. That's why he asked those questions. Mm. Remember, I also feel valued as a patient when I was listened to. Mm. A lot of us are like that doctor. We've already had an experience. We know what will work in this situation. I know the ideal cure to your problem. And I say here, we tend to prescribe before we understand. So this piece around observe is about letting this person talk. So the person feels respected, but also I'm doing a perfect prognosis to see is my understanding of the problem correct so that when we get to prescription, I'm more or less accurate. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that's the piece that you observe. It's about letting that person talk like in the doctor's story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sunil, uh, I like the analogy you gave about the doctor. So in the process of observation and when we categorize people there, like, you know, whoever comes, you spend that time. Could we be boxing them in the process? Sure. I have prescribed or written about, uh, you know, this thought around using some of the tools that we already know. Mm -hmm. So let me use an example. This could be an MBTI or a DISC or any of those tools that you you are already aware of. Mm -hmm. So... As a student of psychology, I realize if I have a million people, I may probably have a million people types in front of me. Mm. However, what some of these tools and personality analysis, uh, you know, uh, approaches do is they try to derive preferences. Mm. So this is really not an effort to box people, but this is an effort to understand when is the spike and when is the trough in this person. If I already know a social methodology, if I know an approach, mm. uh, I'm not trying to box it, but I'm trying to use it. Mm. And I'm not saying that every, you know, you are this type. I believe that if you have 16 primary profiles, I, I believe that we're a little of everything, but it's that something a little more dominant than the other. Right. And therefore, using this intelligently, in my opinion, makes you a little more emotionally intelligent because you're then learning to understand the other person's emotion and also manage your responses to those same emotions because you're able to understand people better and that's always useful. So not an effort to box, but it's an effort to learn preferences. That's the way I would say it. Hmm, sure. Yeah, the preferences is something we should look at and manage it appropriately. So, so the next thing in your uh, book, uh, Sunil, you are talking about L as a listen, right? And uh, I was looking at one of the survey which said listening skill is something uh, which we need to focus for uh, employees uh, is what they were saying. So is there a best practice you can share on listening skills? Sure. 
And uh, I'm sure there's an author to this, uh, and I learned this approach called reflective listening. So this is about letting the other person talk, but the biggest proof to know that someone has listened to you is if this person is able to pick up the key essence of what you said and give it back to you. And it goes a little beyond paraphrasing. This is about summarizing what I heard, but also picking up the emotion that you hear the other person demonstrate. So I would say, hey, I know this is what I heard you say, and I understand that you're upset about it, and I know that this can be really frustrating. So when I also pick up that emotion, and when I'm able to give that back together, that is the essence of reflective listening. The real golden formula here, though, is if you hear a person talk for a long duration, let's say he talks a paragraph, the golden formula says give him back a sentence. And if you hear a sentence, give the person back a word. Oh. So as you're listening to this person, maybe there are some key words that you would repeat, but at the end of the conversation, you may have a gist or a summary thrown back. But that's the best evidence of good listening. And it blends with a lot of those other pieces around good body language uh, and not being distracted and all of those eye contact. And all of those are also important. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is the most important one, the reflective listening. Piece. Yeah, insightful. I learned. I like the concept you said for a para, you can summarize with a sentence and a sentence with a word. So you are able to reflect and you know connect appropriately, right? So, yeah. so moving on, uh, Sunil, uh, the next uh, letter on your book is V, and that's value. Uh, how does this model create insight for employees or clients? How do we actually use this? Sure. So for me, the, the approach is based on a positive psychology approach. And the approach is about asking you questions and getting solutions from you. But it's also about asking you, I know that, you know, you've been a mess here. I know this has not worked. But could you share another instance where things have worked well with you? And what did you do there? Can we pick that up and try and put it here? What is it that you did there in that instance where things work very well for you? Where, where is you not probably doing that here? So it is about deriving, a, you know, positive examples. And I call this the approach of bright spots. Hmm. So... Um, this is about also sometimes asking, hey, uh, so if I'm going to do a one-on-one -on -one with you and you've, you're terrible at something, probably that's what you told me, and if we were discussing how to fix this, I would probably ask you, hey, who do you know in your team who probably does a better job on this and who's probably a role model, who does this piece a lot better than you? Mm -hmm. You know, who can you cite? And what does that person do? So this is one of appreciative inquiry so that this person thinks through and says, okay, here are some positive examples in me, in another situation, or another person who has actually done it, and this is therefore what I too could do. So value-add is really about getting those insights, not by finger-pointing and blaming and making the person feel terrible, but pointing at some of those situations where we've seen the bright spots philosophy work, the good things work, and bring that back into this person's current context and get that person to apply. So it's it's using some of those insightful questions optimally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, insightful on positive psychology and the appreciative inquiry, Sunil. So, Sunil, uh, of course, uh, you know, anything and everything we do, we need to look at the outcome, right? The success, you know, the measures, yes. right? And we are coming gotcha. to your the last letter in your book, that's E. How do we evaluate in solve? I mean, 
what are the steps we need to follow? Sure. So um, I had a big struggle when I interviewed coaches, mm -hmm. uh, being part of the ICF um, and being a PCC myself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I interviewed coaches in this process, and a lot of coaches I met vehemently said, follow up is not the coach's responsibility. But oftentimes when you coach, you are that person's direct manager. Mm -hmm. And what I realized if, is if this person slips, it impacts on your performance. Mm -hmm. You cannot afford not to follow up. Mm -hmm. Evaluate is really about following up. Okay. And I've used this example again. Imagine you had a little child. Let's say you have a five-year-old or a three-year-old at home. Mm -hmm. And you tell your little one, brush your teeth before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Now imagine you told the child, but you brush your teeth before you go to sleep. Or imagine you never checked back with the child. Hmm. What do you think could happen? Hmm. It could have slipped, yeah. It just goes back. The child thinks that, you know what, all mothers, all parents have to say it at this time of the year. So my parents also said it, or my mom or my dad also said it. Hmm. But they don't think that this is really serious. Our parents are serious about it. Hmm. If you really care for your child's teeth, you say, hey, come here. Did you brush your teeth? Show me. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I want you to understand you're checking because you care. Mm -hmm. I want you to also further understand that what you inspect, your child respects. Mm -hmm. And you're checking not because you want to be a policeman or a policewoman. You're checking because you care for your child. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the same story here in Evaluate. Follow-up is the coach's responsibility mm -hmm. uh, or the helper's responsibility. So I have different approaches to doing it, including a soft approach of setting of, you know, setting up a calendar reminder in a paid coaching conversation. And a lot of my coaches would understand this. After a conversation, I create a little summary and I send it out to the person. Mm. And I also drag that into my calendar. If I had a 15-day follow-up trigger, at the end of my conversation, I ask, when do you think I should, we should review this? If the person says 15 days, I would kind of mark my 15-day calendar and my summary goes into that day. Mm. And on that day, you know, my... I have a pop-up on my Outlook, and I would forward that and ask you, Jyoti, um, remember 15 days ago we said this, just want to check how this is working. Mm. So, you know, when I do that, I'm making sure that you are sticking mm. and walking by your commitments, and we're actually able to see change. Mm. Otherwise, things just backslide. Mm. Sunil, I must say that, you know, I should admire, it was just a, a casual telephone call and you really did that kind of, a, you know, a capturing our discussion and the timelines. And you did shoot out an email to me. And I was like, really impressed. And, uh, and that that makes a difference, right, as a leader, especially follow up. And, you know, that's the responsibility you showed as a coach, I think. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Sunil, you are a certified coach coach and I think this is a critical application uh, and tips are also there in the books uh, right a lot of uh, uh, you know every other page I see the tips and uh, thinking uh, innovation thing there so what is the thumb rule to practice while going through your book for me the thumb rule is remember the template s-o-l-v-e and uh, this is a common like I said a universal phenomenon Keep this template in mind. So that's my first thumb rule. And the second would be ask and listen. Hold back the tell. Mm -hmm. Use the questions in the sequence to arrive at the insights. Hold back the tell. So those would be the two thumb rules I would, I would recommend. Okay. Get familiar with the template and hold back the tell. Okay. 
Interesting. And again, uh, whatever we do, right? We, we spoke about the ROI or the success ratio, right? Is there a template yeah. uh, to show the impact to and you know justify the ROI for the organization? Because most of the organization or the management would be interested to know uh, the ROI part. Sure. Yeah, so I use SOG in two contexts, finite and infinite. So finite is a one-on-one -on -one conversation which you probably do. And um, in here, so for me, a lot of my coaching conversations are spread over six to nine months, if not a year. Mm -hmm. Some of them are longer. Okay. So at least at, you know, at a beyond a halfway point, what I would like is to send a survey and seek feedback from people. So I go by Kirkpatrick's level three, which is about really asking people, hey, you know what, in all of this coaching conversations that we've done, can you cite some examples of real application? So for me, it is about seeking application at work. And, and for me, the template and the, and the process we use, uh, you know, we use a template called the learning diary. This work process initiates if you want to, you can also send this up to your manager. The manager says, yes, I've noticed this person do it or not do it. So the work process permits that. And I can get back and say, hey, you know what? You nominated this person for a coaching program. This is what the person said he did at your work area. And if you have approved it, then you'll see the ROI. Now, this is true in a one-on-one -on -one coaching conversation, which is spread over like a six months or a year. But in an infinite culture building program, and I do a lot of that, and we call this as a solve initiative uh, on culture building. There we have aggressive trackers. So we actually ask the organization before we start, what are, so when we come to the outcome or the O stage, we ask the organization, what is it that you would want to change? What are your current metrics? And what do you want it to be? So when we define these goals, we track it month on month. So I have one particular, uh, you know, intervention going on now. There's, there's a large organization going through this. Every month we have a tracker. They said they want to achieve, you know, 90% score on customer engagement and we are tracking it month on month. What is the feedback of the voice of the customer showing? So we have very aggressive tracking methodology in an annual program, uh, which is more an infinite culture building program. Uh, so, so those are the approaches that we would do absolute hard tool mm. or uh, the Kirkpatrick's level three based approach. Mm. Okay, sure. And uh, Sunil, SOL, uh, is it used for coaching or for consulting? And I'm sure there's a difference uh, in few places or similarity also. Uh, what would be your model? How is it involved? You can take the argument on the sure. both sides. I, I want to understand as an author, what is your view? Sure. I believe that coaching and consulting are both different. Hmm. Hmm. However, solve can still be used in both contexts. Let's cite the difference first. Hmm. Coaching is targeted at helping the client. You are client-centered or the coachee who's in front of you, you're generally trying to help that person achieve success. Hmm. In consulting, your focus is really the problem at hand. So it is not so much about the client. Okay. It is about the problem that this person is facing. Our focus is solving a problem. Okay. So I think the focus of coaching and consulting are slightly different, and therefore there is a unique 
difference to both in the practice of it in consulting you could be a little more directive or suggestive while in coaching you need to stay with the ask methodology okay. however song is an effective approach for both contexts because i think as coaches and consultants we sometimes split hairs and ask is this coaching or is this consulting mm. if you see this as helping someone succeed I think there's a lot of common pieces that you can take, and that's what we've stuck together in solve. This is an approach for you since in coaching and in consulting. So I think there's a universality to this particular, uh, you know, approach of solve. Okay, sure. So uh, I'm sure, uh, Sunil, uh, in any model, uh, you know, we should think about the pros and cons, right? Uh, since I'm in the you know process compliance, I always think about the risk also. So, sure. what yeah. would be the challenges? What would be the toughest part for a consultant or an organization or anybody who needs to uh, who will pick this book to practice? Okay, so when I have actually done demonstrations, ask people what they thought. The number one challenge people cite is holding back the tail. because the suggestion coming so naturally to us it's a big temptation so that's the number one challenge holding back the tail hmm. the second piece is in india you know coaching is not so much a model which is really founded in india while it is coming from the western world okay in india when people pay for a coaching conversation the expectation is i need some advice right you know so um i know icf recommends that you do not have any suggestion however in india i think there's still a huge preference we want to be told we are used to the guru system when we went to a teacher we never liked the teacher who gave us another assignment back we wanted that teacher to give us a straightforward answer i know teaching and coaching are very different but in india i think there is one one of those challenges i sense is people want more direction there's lot consulting which did this little research and said 39% of people uh, who are being coached actually like direction from the coach mm. that's a 39% so we want to stick to the majority mm. however remember there could be there are the subtle intensities and i'm sure that this is not relevant to an examination that you'd pass mm. at icf mm. uh, but in the practice of coaching especially in an indian context i think there would be a little nudge and there would be a story that you would tell which would be in some sense suggestive so the coach has an experience he would share his experience and ask so jyoti what do you pick from there mm-hmm. i know in that is a suggestion but at least that is required and that is one of the other challenges we would have hmm. okay and um, sunil your coaching intervention or sometimes you know three months six months or a year long kind of a thing but somebody you know if you don't apply things on a, a daily basis then uh, you know it might be forgotten so how can one take this forward in uh, you know using this on a daily uh, application wise sure so for me i think uh, you know when i do my workshops we get people to do a quick self assessment about themselves on the entire approach um of or or rather the soft skills that the person needs to have in the person coaches hmm. so we realize that some some of the individuals pick up this area around listening as my big area i'm not as articulate i do not prepare i don't let the other person talk first so we kind of 
pick up where the concern areas or the bugs are within ourselves. My thought is, if you can look at some personalized action plans against those okay. and be reminded of it every time you do a conversation. So solve is not only something when I have a professional client to coach. Mm. It can also be the conversation I have with you. Mm. It could be the conversation I have back at home or with a maid or, or with anyone around you. Mm. So if you can have the template in your mind, if you can use the process and if, you can, if you're a little more mindful... I think this is a gym which is getting enough workout and practice. Hmm. Interesting, uh, Sunil. So, uh, Sunil, is there anything else you would like to add that will be of value to my listeners? Sure, yeah. So, I think even if you're looking at a long-term intervention, just extrapolate this one-to-one conversation to a long-term intervention. So, before, so imagine you want to kill a project, which is spread over a period, you first gather data. So you're seeking information. Hmm. You're trying to ask the client, the stakeholder, what are you looking for? And you have tangible CTQs, critical to quality parameters. Hmm. And you have goals for the project that you set out. And then what you do is you are going out to actually listen to what's happening and you're going to look for evidence. And we are actually doing a number of tasks and we are meeting people in this process. So this you know, small approach, which is possible on a one-on-one conversation, mm-hmm. we are also doing in our one-year or longer-term, uh, you know, intervention. So we are listening under L, we try to arrive at solutions, and even in the practice, if you're a leader, I think there is a lot of opportunity for you to get solutions from people rather than you give them solutions. If you're in goal setting at some time of the year, if you're reviewing don't tell them what a person did or did not do. Ask them, what do you think you did and what do you think you could have done better? So I think some of these approaches of the value add, you can, you know, and you can use all of this in your interaction spread over a period. And if you have a project, you should also monitor how is it happening. You should follow up some of those key metrics that you had and you should track. So I think solve is extrapolatable into a longer-term intervention, not only a short-term intervention. So for me, Solve is a lot more today about infinite projects and long-term interventions. So as a listener, as a reader, don't limit this to one-on-one conversations. Look at it also in project management, consulting, and bigger long-term approaches. That's that's the way I see uh, you know this as uh, you know being utilizable for some of our clients. Uh, Wow, so many nuggets uh, there, Sunil. Thank you for that. And uh, do you also want to share what Stimulus Consulting is doing? Sure. So uh, Stimulus has a core consulting division and it has a division called Solve. So we're involved in in finite projects um, and coaching and consulting and a lot of other stuff under Solve. Uh, The core of Stimulus looks at four areas. One is competency modeling and HR consulting. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Two is we are involved in a lot of employee engagement surveys. And from 2014, I've been unpacking surveys with Ford and with the dealerships. So there's a lot of work that we are doing in the space of employee engagement. We also have our own employee engagement tools, uh, 360. So a lot of tools and assessment development centers, all of that is area two. Area three is executive coaching. Okay. Um, And area four is training. Training is, of course, the oldest product. But we do around 73 different kinds of training. 
spread over six different areas and I have a team. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's about the organization and yeah, very diverse. I think we've expanded our portfolio over a period of time. And yeah, and solve focuses on the long-term initiatives, of course. Not about. Sure, wonderful with all the four pillars. Wishing you all the very best. Uh, so, Thank you. Yeah, and the last question, how do you see learning trends in 2020? Okay, so if you asked me this question a month or two ago, I would have said something very different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, today I would say, uh, you know, I, I believe that we are COVID impacted. Right. And, and I think that this is there to stay for the rest of this year or longer. Mm. So I see a big movement on learning to virtual. Mm. And I don't think there's a choice. Mm. I think the longer sessions will get reduced to shorter sessions and they will be virtually run. Mm. I really think there's going to be a paradigm shift of everything that you can think of. Yeah. The number of people who are attending a session, the kind of programs, the way you interact with people, the kind of activities, the and we don't know any boundaries now. So someone from the U.S. could attend the session, which we are doing right here in Bangalore, which is probably not possible some time ago. So I think this will be a complete paradigm shift hmm. in learning trends in 2020. That's the way I see it. All thanks to COVID. Hmm. Right, yeah. And of course, costs are also going to be impacted for sure. True, true. Yeah. So, Sunil, I think we are wrapping up on the questions, uh, what is planned on the book, but then we can let it go because I have planned some surprise elements uh, now uh, that we have a few powerful questions for our guests, you know, to unveil for my listeners, to engage, empower and enlighten. And that's the mission of my podcast too. Are you ready? Sure, yes. Okay. I like that. Engage, enlighten, and empower. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you. So, according to you, what is your star moment? Okay, so um, in 1996, um, I got nominated for HNFS Awards um, for HR Manager of the Year. Now, I got shortlisted to the top five, went up to the top three, did not win that award, came back, hmm. found a few other opportunities, and I moved on. But the interesting part was it was not the nomination really, which was my star moment. But what caused the nomination was I ran an adult literacy program. At that point in time, I was a hotelier, hmm. and I was a training manager for a hotel. Hmm. And we had a lot of people who were in the back area who would never come into the front. Mm. And these guys did not know how to read and write English. Mm. Some were women, some were men, uh, but they would all do the back areas and never be in the front uh, you know, of a hotel. Mm. I taught them to read and write. And for me, the star moment was when I saw the joy on their face. And I still remember the lady who came to me and said, sir, you know what? I learned to write my name and my son's name and I showed it to my son. I thought that the joy I saw on her face, I think that takes the cake for me. Hmm. Interesting. And what inspires you to do everything that you do today? All right. Uh, uh, I'm wondering, okay. I believe that, you know, in my profession, I can cause change. Hmm. I think every day and a lot of professions, you pray that you are blessed. 
in my profession, I think the prayer is bless me so that I can bless them. But I think that, that there are few professions which can talk about this. So I think this is really the inspiring piece. And, uh, you know, I really think the name stimulus is because we are creating an impulse to a change. Mm. And that's why my organization is also called Stimulus. Mm. So I think there are a few professions which can help you create an impulse to a change. And that's what this profession I've chosen. That's what I think every day I wake up, I'm excited. I have newer clients every day. I'm not saddled by one culture, one organization. And I think all of that is also exciting for me mm. and inspires me every day to come back. Got this. And since you own a company, what's one thing that you would do differently in learning in your company? Okay, currently we are going through a huge paradigm shift uh, and we put everything virtual. Mm -hmm. So before the lockdown started, um, a little before I had a travel restriction, uh, which we saw and some of the people could not travel. And uh, we went virtual before, uh, you know, when offices were functioning itself. So I, the biggest paradigm shift that I'm seeing is that a lot of our processes in training and learning is going to go virtual. Uh, we are doing a lot of new stuff. We're doing R&D on how can we make virtual as exciting, if not as much, but at least closer to a classroom feeling. So we're doing a lot of research over how can we make the virtual classroom fun. Mm. And yeah, those, those are some things that I would really love to do different this year. Interesting. In, in my organization, yeah. Sure. And what are the three most important things you would like to accomplish right now? Okay. Um, one is, of course, uh, like I said, uh, convert face-to-face uh, -to, -face to virtual. And, and I think um, that's, that's, a, that's a big piece. Um, I would also think that I want to build, um, you know, some of those courses which are really relevant to the time that we are at now, which people can really use. So we're in the design stage of some obvious requirements uh, which never existed before. Like how do you effectively lay off people? How do you have some of those difficult conversations? Uh, you know, how can you, you know, not be, uh, you know, rude and crude when you're talking about cost cuts? So. You know, we're trying to build need-based programs and how do you have crucial conversations or difficult conversations which are focused on these. Hmm. The last big, uh, you know, focus for me would be to evangelize the infinite culture building, culture change programs uh, under SOLVE. So those would be some of those key important things that I would be trying to accomplish uh, in, in the country. Yeah. And if I may ask you, what are your strengths? Oh, okay. What are my strengths? I think... I, I have an obsession for speed. Hmm. I joke about it. I tell people I got married early, I got my kids early, I started my company early. I have an obsession for speed, beat even customer turnaround. So uh, I think that's, that's one big piece. So we're able to do things a little ahead of others. Hmm. Um, uh, one of the other strengths, I think, is my people. And I think in my organization at Stimulus, we have a culture. I have people who have been with me from the 2000, from, from year 2000, actually. Hmm. And there's someone who was with me from 97, 98, who left a couple of years ago. 
But for me, I think we create the environment, we create the culture in an organization. I think that's the only thing leaders can do, create that right environment. Hmm. So I think for me, that becomes the second piece. Sure. And yeah, we've been early at adapting, you know, so probably returning to the first one, which was about speed. We've been early at doing things. Uh, we built fun into training in the 90s. So 97, 98, when we started off, hmm. we tried to put fun into training. We measured ROI, uh, you know, even in terms of the virtual uh, change that we're doing now. We try to be ahead of the curve and doing things a little early, including culture. Some of the programs my customers say probably it's a little ahead of its time. Hmm. Okay. And the, what's the best book you have read this year or any time you want to recommend to my listeners? Yeah, sure. So um, I would say what's the book I have reread this year, especially after, uh, you know, the turmoil that we're seeing and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book, Look at More. I like this book because a lot of this research was done within the G. Cartmill campus, so a uh, lot of passion to that organization okay. and the Cartmill campus. So uh, Andy Stefanovich is the author, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think a lot of innovative, creative ideas in testing times can come out of that book. Sure. Look at more. Sure. And see, since uh, you are you yourself as a coach, what are the characteristics of a best uh, boss or a coach? you ever had and what made that person great for you okay i don't want to name the person but uh, he was my last boss mm-hmm. we partnered together to start this organization uh, which uh, i started uh, what i really loved about him is i thought he had a personal connect with his people mm-hmm. now he was my super boss not my immediate boss mm-hmm. I didn't like my immediate boss because my immediate boss did not connect. He was only interested in work and result. Mm -hmm. But this man connected with me as, not as an employee, but as a person. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. I also thought that he had a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Very professional though. And I thought great sense of balance of work and life and home. So I thought he got most of those pieces correct. But the two biggest qualities I would pick up is the connection, Mm -hmm. the humor, uh, you know, blended with that connection, yes. Mm, sure. And uh, are there any tools, uh, Sunil, that you use on a daily basis to be a better you? Okay, I think definitely reading, listening helps. I certainly think spirituality helps. The Bible uh, is something, uh, you know, uh, has guided me. Um, I have always had a podcast uh, that I listen to. Uh, I've recently subscribed, not recently, I think it's about two years now, I've been subscribing to the Mentor Box. And at Mentor Box, we summarize a book every, uh, you, you, you know, for every issue, you have a book which is being summarized. And the author is interviewed, and you learn a lot about what the author says and what is in the book. So Mentor Box, it's a, it's a subscribe tool, and that's something that I found very useful. Another one is CastBox. It's a free tool, but I thought Mentor Box, I have some of those very good books. Okay. And some great nuggets which are coming to me from there. Sure. And in continuation, are there any habit that you are practicing which has made you successful in whatever you are doing today? Sure. I think I am uh, I'm a big fan of planning, so I plan my day. I love discipline and I have a passion for on-time delivery. Mm. So I think those would be some of those biggest habits beyond, of course, spending personal time with my team and with my family, which goes beyond 
the context of work. Mm. So those would be some practices which I have seen at least successful for me. Sure. And Sunil, we have come to an end of this interview. And before I ask you that question, how can people get in touch with you to collaborate, to get more insight? Where can they reach out to you? Sure. So uh, the mail ID uh, Sunil at stimulusconsulting.com or Sunil at solve-stimulus.com uh, would be the mail IDs to reach me. A mobile number is, of course, there, 9845200984. And, of course, there's LinkedIn. There is uh, all the contacted addresses on my websites, um, which also would get anyone there. So stimulusconsulting.com or solve-stimulus.com would be places to get me. Sure. And on a closing note and that last question, your advice to people who are new and want to accelerate their career in talent and development? So for me, the key message to anyone in talent and development is be a consultant in the truest sense and be a, be a business partner. Understand the real issues. And I think you should add value to the business. And so go beyond the theory, go beyond what you find in a book or in a course, connect the learning to the business. And if you can build a change, then I think you are a true learning and development person. If you can connect to the bottom line and ensure the bottom line of the business you're supporting, I think that would be the key message for you. Wow, this is like a, a rock star role, I would say, uh, Sunil. Thank you. That was really amazing and a great insight. So guys, all the links and resources which we have discussed uh, will be made available in my show notes page of my podcast, Stars of Learning. And it will also be available on my website, prajvitaknowledge.com. That is P-R-A-J-V-I-T-A, knowledge.com for your quick reference. And thank you so much, Sunil, for being on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation and your candid message and a lot of solutions and nuggets. And my key takeaway would be on the reflective learning, positive psychology, uh, follow up uh, as a responsibility, you know, and holding back to tell. Uh, I don't know how much I can do that, but I'll definitely put an effort on that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I think that was uh, that was nice. Thank you, Jyoti. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and this uh, will definitely help my listeners uh, uh, for sure. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jyoti. Thank you for having me. Take care. So, friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sunil George. If you have got any learning or motivated hearing to Sunil, then make sure you do share this podcast with your friends and post it on social media and tag me and Sunil. And do let your friends know about this amazing information you have learned and let this piece of information help many others to engage enlighten and empower all my wonderful listeners thank you so much for your patience and tuning in for this show bye for now take good care of yourself and go out and do something engaging enlightening and empowering thank you